Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Bob Porter, who is the founder and president of Porter Investments. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So, Bob, tell us um, some about yourself and uh, what it is that you do. Sure. Um, Well, really, kind of the genesis for everything I do, and this kind of really started probably over 25 years ago. I was working for a large financial services firm. And I got this phone call out of the blue. And this this guy just right off the bat says, um, he was a dentist. And he said, uh, should I sell this fund? And, you know, our, as you know, our training and, and kind of how we're, we work with clients is, is I said, well, I, you know, let me ask you a couple of things first. I wanted to kind of know what they, inv- why they invested in this fund and, and what they were trying to do and kind of what their goal was and ask them about, you know, their other, uh, other investments and how it related to that and stuff. And the guy answered my questions real quickly. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. But should I sell this fund? And um, so him being a dentist, I, uh, I, I kind of said, you know, if someone comes into your office, you know, and they ask you about a tooth or whatever, uh, instead of just jumping to the gun and doing something, you probably kind of look at that tooth in relation to their smile and and what they're doing and, and kind of the the angles and the, the, the uh, everything related with their mouth. And, and, and so the guy was really getting perturbed at me. And he, and he said, you know, after a couple of GD this and GD that, um, he, he says, uh, you know, maybe throwing in an F-bomb here and there. The guy goes, okay, I'm going to ask you one last time. He said, you know, when someone comes into my office and they have a toothache, um, they don't care about that other stuff. Uh, they want to know uh, what are you going to do about it, and, and they want the damn tooth pull. And you know, I was kind of taken back by that. And he goes, "So I'm going to ask you one last time: Should I sell this fund?" And I realized then that, you know, at that moment, you know, the raw emotion that was coming across that telephone, the, that guy didn't care what he answered on a risk profile. He didn't care. Uh, how that investment was with with uh, his his other investments, you know, there was something else at play here. And so, while it took a number of years and 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 working through with a with a with a, a, a number of engineers and some PhDs and my background in computers and software development, it uh, it led me and kind of set me on a path to learn to develop some investing strategies that would help to keep people out of situations like that. Because as you know, at the point of highest emotion at, at situations like that is when we make our biggest mistakes. And those biggest mistakes at those type, at those times are what's going to have the biggest impact on your portfolio long-term. And so that kind of set me on a path and it took you know 20 years uh, to kind of get to this point. But uh, what it's allowed me to do is kind of develop a series of investment strategies whose main goal is to keep people out of those 
those types of periods and have the negative effect that, that big drawdowns can have in, in their portfolio, but then also uh, you know, keep them invested uh, in the majority of the time when the market is going up and it is appreciating. And so that's kind of where we're at today. Right. So what is it that um, makes you passionate about this? What is it that, that kind of you know, gets Bob fired up in the morning when he gets up and, and you know, go in the office and want to do this? Um, you know, I've thought about this a lot. And, and, you know, when you think, when people think about their money and, and you know, most of my clients, they, they, they might've had other financial advisors before other people managing money, or they have certainly a portion of the money that they might manage on their own, but it really doesn't matter who is managing people's money. When you, when you talk to enough people over the years, you realize every character trait that we have as human beings somehow gets manifested or somehow gets brought to light when people think about their money and the manage of the money. And I, I know we all heard about greed and fear, but you talk to people long enough or you have enough conversations and every one of these I don't want to say necessarily flaws, character flaws, but you, you have the greed and the fear, but you also have the, 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 the envy, the, the, the FOMO, the, uh, some, the deceit. Uh, uh, people use money for power. Uh, there's so many flaws that you, that you can see in people, but also you can see things like gratitude and humility. And if you, you know, some people like to go to areas and observe people and watch people. I, I, I like to talk to people about their money and because right. you just get a great insight into, into, you know, the things that really, that they think about and it's kind of manifested through how they manage their money and how they look at their money. Right. Now, um, what are some of the questions that, you know, when you're meeting with a new client or a prospective client, what are some of the questions that, that you wish that they would ask you that they don't? You know, I tell you, you, you and I've, I think we've talked about this before. It is amazing how clients don't ask questions. Um, you know, the, the, uh, you, you, get a, you get a referral or, or someone finds out about you or they see something that, you, you know, you have some great return or something. And they go, yeah, well, I, where, how do we get started? They, they, they never ask questions about their advisor. And then, you know, and yeah. You know, uh, there's so many things that they should ask about their advisor uh, from, you know, when did you do this? You know, how, how did this happen? You know, what, what, what things have you done that, you know, that, that didn't work out well? How did you solve it? They never go in and ask these, you know, kind of deeper questions about the, to, to the advisor. Because, you know, as you know, there's a lot of... Um, our industry is not, I mean, it's like anybody else's industry. You have some charlatans in there. And when people are, they want so bad to believe that what you do is, is good. And, and, you know, they're coming from a, they're coming from some time when maybe something wasn't, didn't turn out favorable. And they want to so badly to believe that, you know, you're their savior, you can help them. Right. And obviously we feel like, you know, we can help them and we're honest people, but not everybody is honest and, and people need to, they need to really take the time and dig into their, their advisor and, you know, is he a fiduciary? I mean, is he looking out for your best interest? A lot of people, I don't think ever go, when they're dealing with a registered investment advisor, I don't think they ever go 
to the investment advisor public database. And I mean, you, I know you know about it, you know, it's at, it's at uh, what advisorinfo.sec.gov. But right. you can go to that, you can find out about your advisor, see if they've had any disciplinary actions and just, you know, take a little time on the front end and don't believe all the hype that the advisor gives you and kind of dig into them uh, so you can just get to know them better before, before you kind of have some meaningful conversations with them. No, I think that that's a, that's, that's a great point right there. Uh, many times people, you know, may, you know, when they hire a contractor or something like that, they may use like an Angie's list or, or something like that, or Dun & Bradstreet or something to, to check out, you know, somebody who's going to work on their house. But when it comes to picking a professional, lots of times they don't do that legwork. And I'm, I'm shocked, um, yeah. you know, especially when, when they're trusting you with their, their life savings and their retirement and everything else that, that they don't do that due diligence. That's yeah, I mean, there's there's a great line in the in the Bernie uh, Madoff movie that I think Richard Dreyfuss starred in, and and there's a scene in the movie where where a guy asks Bernie Madoff about, well, didn't how come these people never checked you out, or did how come they didn't kind of see some of these things? And Bernie Madoff uh, said something to the effect as they wanted so bad to believe it was true that that it kind of blinded them. To, to, to kind of, because the, the signals were there, but you just didn't want to see them. And so people need to do a better job of that. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with you there. Um, what, what made you choose to go into the field of finance? Well, my degree was in computer science and accounting, uh, and, uh, but I was never really on the, uh, I never really liked uh, uh, the, the technical, um, so much side of computers. I always liked the financial side of computers. And I, and I started in software development and kind of financial systems. And um, it wasn't so much I liked computers, I just liked what computers could do with managing large amounts of data. And, and kind of, I looked at computers more as kind of a tool. And so that kind of led me uh, over the years to some various firms. I'd worked for Fidelity Investments for a number of years. And then, um, and then after that is when I started my own firm, uh, Porter Investments. And um, again, I, I just, uh, I know you've heard this a lot, but, but uh, I think in some respects, um, there's some things that the industry does that it, it's, 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 really, it's really good for individuals, but it's really good for the institutions themselves in the industry. And I think it's just important. Uh, so there's some things I think we need to do to help the individual investor uh, kind of navigate some things. And that's why, um, you know, I, I just I, I like working with individuals um, and it's more of a direct link um, with them and their money and helping them navigate a lot of these issues that they have in life about their money. So, you know, you're, you're, you talk about, you know, helping individuals with their, with their money and their finances. What, what are some of the, the mistakes that you're seeing people make, obviously, before they get to you that you're able yeah. to help them with? Uh, you know, that's a great question. And, and 
when I think back about everybody I've talked to over the years and, and, and looking at it, you know, it really, it, 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 all the issues that we have in terms of investments and wrong decisions and stuff like that, it, you know, whenever we make a decision, really, not only even an investing decision, it's any decision, there's a, there's a range of probable outcomes. You know, some of them favorable, some of them not. And I think as individuals, we tend to, we don't think about things in probabilities in terms of, of what the potential something could work or could not work. And, and you know, we, we think about, we look at what we see right in front of us. We see returns, we see, you know, this, this person did this or whatever. And I think so many issues that we have as, as individual investors stem from the fact that we don't look at things uh, from, a uh, from a probability standpoint. And, you know, uh, it's really tough sometimes. You know, Bill Gates once said that success is a lousy teacher, um, <laughs> it, that it seduces smart people into thinking that they can't fail. Well, it's really pretty easy you know, you could buy an, you could buy some investment or whatever, and it could go up twenty percent, and and you could over the next year, and you think you're a pretty smart person. But how do you know if there were ten outcomes that could have happened with that investment? Seven of them were good, three of them were bad. You happen to hit one of the seven. You think it's your skill, but how do you know it just wasn't a little bit of luck? Right. And people don't really think like that. We're, we're a lot more binary. We need to think like that. And so what it, what it forces us to do as individuals is we th not only do we not think in probabilities and we don't look at, a, at proper sample sizes, but we think too much about outcomes and we only focus on every individual outcome. And I think, as I mentioned to you before, I focus on outcomes, but I don't focus on every single one. Uh, I focus more on the process and what did you do to achieve those outcomes? And if it's a good process, well, then it's just a question of, of replicating that and repeating that over and over again. But people, it, people again, kind of back to that first question you had, they don't spend enough time doing that on the front end. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, like, like everything, I think you really need to spend the, the time up front because it's going to cost you twice as much on the back end. Oh, absolutely. You know? So, yeah. you know, that's definitely something that's, that's, you know, I think it's important. What are some of the, the challenges that you're facing right now, um, you know, with, the, with your industry and uh, with COVID? Um. Uh, well, f f from the from the COVID standpoint in the pandemic, uh, uh, from a I guess from a business standpoint, it really hadn't changed that much. We, you know, we have clients in five different time zones. We were really doing a lot of Zoom meetings and a lot of things long before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I, I think what the pandemic has done, I, I don't think. I mean, it really has. People have a lot of people have gotten a lot more reflective. Um, and, um, the, um, they, you know, I've, 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 I've had some people, you know, do things, uh, with, you know, they might have a two and a half percent, three percent mortgage, um, but they want to pay off the mortgage. They just don't, I mean, and, 
you know, there's sometimes it's good to pay off a mortgage, sometimes it's not good, but but they weren't, the point is people are, are they, they're, they're just, they, they kind of want to make their life a lot simpler yeah. uh, that, I, that I'm seeing now. And, and I think we, as, as advisors, I think we need to be sensitive to that. There's some things that people are bringing up since this COVID that may not make the best financial sense, but you know what? It makes the most sense to them. And, you know, we, we, we need, we need to, uh, um, well, you know, as Hope said, I'd rather be approximately right than precisely wrong. And so, you know, let people, I think we need to let people kind of do some things a little bit differently. Um, um, even if it doesn't make a hundred percent, you know, the, the best thing for them to do. So, um, you know, like we all say, it's, it's effect, it's affected all of us. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, couple of things I'm picking up there when, when you're saying this is a quality of life sometimes is more important than finance Two, yeah. you're talking about individuals and it may be the right thing for them, which means guys, you know, a plan that, that Bob puts together for me is going to be different than it's going to be for you and different from, from somebody else where everybody always, I, I call it the, the next door uh, neighbor syndrome. And that they're getting, you know, 8% return on their money. Why am I not getting that? And they just don't understand that, you know, maybe my risk tolerance is different than theirs. And I think it's important that the people know that it's like everybody's situation is different. That's why just what you said is like for that person, this is the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, well, everything that we think about or we think how it should be is always going to be based on our experiences. And right. what we've seen, and what are the odds that your matrix of experiences is exactly the same as your next door neighbor? And so, you know, your next door neighbor, like you say, might have got ten percent or twenty percent. How come we didn't get that? Well, again, back to the asking deeper questions. Well, you know, how was that achieved? What did they do? What was different? Is that repeatable? Right. What percentage of that was you know one particular? There's you know, what's your sample? So all these things about probabilities and asking deeper questions, we just, we all just need to do a better job of doing that. Right. So Bob, you've been, been doing this for, for a number of years now. Um, what, what do you wish, I always screw this up. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started? Ooh. Um, Well, and we've talked about this a lot, but but uh, I guess from a from a personal standpoint, it's probably the asking the questions. Um, I, you know, in when I was in my my thirties, I was probably a what I call a topsoil advisor. I'd ask superficial questions, you know, and 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 I was you know. And my clients, were, you know, were probably I let them be topsoil investors, meaning you don't they don't you don't dig deep, you don't dig down in the roots and really try to, you know, find out what's driving uh, the emotions like that dentist in the in, right. in the in the first point. And, and when they get to that point where they have an emotional breakdown, it's too late to say, well, you know, you know, start asking those kinds of questions. So I wish back. Then when I first started, I, I, I would have had better questioning skills and taken the time 
to ask clients questions, to get them to think. You know, there, there's a great saying that never tell someone, and, and your mom might've told you this. I think you said your mom was a teacher. Right. You know, never, never tell somebody something that they can tell you by answering one of your questions. Because if they tell you by answering one of the, your questions, they've kind of given it some thought at least. Uh, and I wish I would have done probably a better job answering questions. The other thing, a lot of things that I do from, a, from analyzing the data and looking at the systems and looking at, at, at the, the trends and the normal trends and cycles in the market, um, really a lot of that in the, in the 90s was not really available to the individual investor. The computing power started to get there. The institutions had the computing power and we're doing it internally before, but the individual investor, we just didn't have the, 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 the means to do it. And then, you know, when the internet kind of started exploding and the distribution to find out about all these systems and for people to communicate better, obviously started happening more in 2010, 2012, you know, and so a lot of what I wish I would have had from a technology standpoint just wasn't available back then. Right, right. You know, you bring up that, that, you know, that with technology and internet and things, you know, obviously there's the robo advisors and stuff like that now. Um, why is it important for someone to use a professional like you to help them with their, with their financial planning as compared to just doing it on their own or, um, you know, using a robo advisor? Um, the... You know, it's 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 not the high order things that get you in trouble. It, the, the things about you know that you can see, uh, it's the things that are below the surface. It's the discernment. You know, when I first started my company, I had an advisory board, and one of the gentlemen on the advisory board was a uh, was a very established radiologist here in Houston, and uh, I was asking him about certain things, and 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 he said, you know. Uh, People can go out on the internet and they can find things about this cancer and this surgery and all this other stuff, and they can come to me, but they don't have the 25 years of experience and the discernment to see the things and the nuances and, and study the gray areas and the second and the third and the fourth order consequences of a particular action. And so working with an industry professional Unfortunately, there's just no way you can get that without experience. And, and so but working with a, a industry professional that's kind of seen the various nuances and can, can do the slight discernment between, well, maybe doing it this way versus this way uh, can make a giant difference. You, and, uh, an individual, it's just hard to do that just by getting something off the internet or talk, like you say, talking to your neighbor about what they did, especially if you still have a, a, a day job or you're in retirement and, and you, know, you don't wanna live and breathe that uh, during your day. So I think that's probably the best reason. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that that's important. I know lots of times, um, you know, for me, you know, clients calling and, and just having somebody to bounce something off of. Yeah to see if that makes sense or not. And I think that that's something that's, that's really important about having, you know, a, a trusted professional, um, you know, I'm going to say in, on your team 
um, to be able to, to help you out there. Yeah. So Bob, we've talked about a lot of things so far. What haven't I asked you that you wish I had? Um, what, what good books have you read? <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason why I bring that up. I've been so busy reading the tax code a number of times as it keeps changing in the past year. So I've been a little bit busy with that. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, and if someone asked you what good books you've read that you wanted to share with them, if you, if you said, hey, uh, you ought to read this volume of this tax code, they, they probably wouldn't do it. No. But, you know, I'm thinking about your, your, your average listener. And, you know, you know, books are obviously great gifts. You know, we have the holidays coming up here. And, you know, there's, there's a, a few books that I've read recently that, that I think every, indi every individual investor should read. Uh, because I think it will highlight a lot of these things that we've talked about before and just help them not only make better decisions, but better, be better investors. You know, there's a book that came out this year um, and, you know, they don't need to go to my site. I mean, I don't get anything from Amazon or they can just go buy this whenever they want. But the uh, one good book is called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I think it came out, it's probably come out in the last year and a half. But it's a fantastic book that talks about people and how they view money and different ways they can view money. And um, I think everybody should read that. Uh, if they want to go a little bit deeper into their decision-making process, not only with investments, but with, with the you know, probabilities and kind of looking more about decisions and, and how much skill or how much luck is involved, which it is involved, uh, I think a great book is, um, uh, it's a, again, it's a little bit deeper read, but it's Principles by Ray Dalio, I think is a fantastic book uh, for people to read. But um, I think reading those will, 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 I think will help people just kind of think about some things that they don't normally think about how they view money and how they, they view uh, decisions. And I think that'll be helpful for your audience. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, if our listeners like what they hear, how can they reach out to you? Well, there's a, there's a number of ways. Obviously, the website, Porter, I-N-V, P-O-R-T-E-R-I-N-V as in Victor.com. They can go there. I would encourage them, even before they they'll call me, uh, go to the website. Uh, there's a, a, a blog under Our Thoughts. And uh, just kind of read those things about, you know, some of the things we've been thinking about the last two or three years. Uh, there's also a great thing on, on frequently asked questions and kind of, uh, you know, kind of look at those and, and think about them. And if it looks like, you know, it's something you want to talk to us more about, you know, uh, our phone number is there on it, uh, or they can set an appointment with us online uh, at their convenience. Um, they can also look at me on LinkedIn. It's Bob Porter with Porter Investments. I'm on LinkedIn if they want to DM me or, or, or talk to me there. So um, that's probably the best ways. And then obviously our phone number is on the website as well. Okay, great. Well, Bob, I really appreciate your time today. And uh, you know, I think you, you had a lot of, uh, of great wisdom to, to pass on to our listeners today. Well, thank you. This has been fun. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Great. So today our guest was Bob Porter, who is the founder and president of Porter Investments. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. 
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>